Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums... Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News and to a normal week of Rossafari Zoo News, which uh, I'm pretty excited about after last week's whole blow up about the Columbus Zoo. Um, what, what an interesting week that turned out to be. You know, it was interesting for a lot of reasons, not just because of what was going on with Columbus or the research I was able to do or the sources I was able to talk to, but also because that was my highest week of downloads ever. The uh, The actual episode about Columbus got a lot of traction, and then people were checking out other episodes, and um, it felt really weird to be benefiting from a negative thing that made me so unhappy and made me concerned about people that I love and a place that I love and, of course, animals that I love. But uh, in the end, I came to realize that, um, you know, it's really cool and really important to be part of the conversation. And I get to do that now. And, and that's pretty special. And that's because you're all here listening. So thank you for that. I especially want to say thank you to the people who reached out to me about that episode, uh, shared your thoughts, told me what you agree with uh, with my assessment, and even those who, who disagreed with some of what I said. I, I appreciated all of it. I think open dialogue is something that is so important and so lacking nowadays in so many places in our society that it, it was cool to have those conversations and, and to be a part of it all. And um you know, one thing that meant a lot to me was that a lot of you reached out and said that you were eager to hear my thoughts and my perspective uh, before the episode dropped or or that you were excited once you heard it was there. Um, and I just want to let you all know that it means so much to me to know that, that you all trust me and that you all want to hear my thoughts and opinions. Um Last week, that whole thing really sucked, but uh, I'm I'm really grateful for the silver linings that have come from it. And that is all I'm going to say about the whole Columbus Zoo situation for this week. And um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with it. But until then, we are back to regular zoo news, yay! And uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, boy, I bet you're confused by what I just said. But uh, you can go check out last week's episode and you'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, this is Rossafari Zoo News, and uh, it is a crowdsourced collection. I do my research. Other people do their research and send it to me. And uh, I report what's going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and animals at large each week. If you would like to send me those things, uh, you can tag me in them on social media, where you should also be following along. It's at Rossafari on Facebook, Twitter, and most importantly, let's be honest, Instagram. And at uh, Rossafari Pod on TikTok. And you can also email me things directly, rossafaripod at gmail.com. DM me. I'm reachable. Y'all know how to reach me by now. So send me stuff. I'll say your name at the end of the episode and life will be golden. 
So I have a bunch of stories for you this week because I also have some stories from last week that got preempted. So uh, here's an ad and then we'll get right to it. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamers Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right, y'all, it's time to get to the news. I want to give you one quick heads up first, though. You're going to hear some very non-John Rossi-like language in the other news section. <laughs> okay, that's totally a lie. Anybody who actually knows me in the real world knows that I, I curse like a sailor. I'm a professional musician. I mean, come on, this is what I do. But you're going to hear some very un-John Rossi on a podcast-like language once we hit other news. So um, if you're listening with little ones or big ones who get offended by that or you don't want to hear it, I would skip over just the other news section. The rest is fine. Okay, let's get to it. One, two, three, four. Ow, oh, that's a funky monkey. Treat kangaroo. Or a binge around. It's news. Yeah. All right, so we're going to start off by talking about everybody's favorite topic that nobody's burnt out on, COVID-19. Got a couple of stories for you about how that's currently affecting the world of zoos. First of all, the Lincoln Children's Zoo, Brookfield Zoo, and the Great Plains Zoo in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, have all announced that some or all of their big cats have caught COVID-19. Now, you'll remember that this is happening at a lot of different zoos right now. All three zoos also did contact tracing and were unsuccessful in figuring out how the cats were able to get the disease. They just figured out that they did. Perhaps the saddest part of all of this is that um, a snow leopard at the Great Plains Zoo actually has passed away from the COVID. I believe this is the first cat to die from the disease in the United States, though we know it has happened elsewhere in the world. Regardless, these are just the latest cases of either big cats or primates getting the disease at various zoos, including some of the big ones like the Bronx and San Diego. And that leads us to our other story about COVID this week, which is that the Toronto Zoo has announced that you will now need to provide proof of vaccination or a recent negative COVID test in order to go to the zoo. They stated in their statement that while they understand that a lot of people go to the zoo to enjoy the outside areas of the zoo, that with weather getting colder and more people coming to the zoo to wander around, their number one priority is to keep their animals safe and also their guests. And as such, these measures are now being put into place. On a side note, I did the thing 
the thing that we're all not supposed to do, but we all are guilty of doing on social media from time to time, which is I dove on into the comment section when the Toronto Zoo announced this policy. And you know what, y'all? I love Canada. I love it so much. There were your negative anti-vax comments, but it was the minority. It was a small minority. So many people were there thanking the zoo, promising to make extra donations, saying they were willing to go back now once this policy goes into effect. It was a beautiful thing to see. It was just nice. Yay, science, and yay, nice people. And, ugh, Canada... I love you so much. How much, you say? Let me count the ways. One, A, two, A, three, A. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, stop looking at me like that, listener. Stop it. Okay. Okay, so this next story is kind of crazy, but I really, really love it. So one of the most incredible zoos in our country is the Henry Dooley Zoo in Omaha, Nebraska. You can check out their uh, stuff on Instagram, at the Omaha Zoo. Highly recommend it. Anyway, so um, the resident electrician at the zoo was doing repair work on one of the access gates that they have there, and he inadvertently uncovered a nest of northern painted turtle babies. Painted turtles, which are native to Nebraska, um, oftentimes hang out in like the lagoon and stuff with female turtles digging egg chambers in midsummer. No one quite knows what happened to make the mother turtle dig this nest where she did, but uh, she was nowhere near the water and she was well above the frost line for Nebraska, meaning most likely all of these babies would have died. If not for the fact that the electrician happened to find the nest. He did, and they were able to take the babies out and give them to the reptile crew who rescued them, moved them to a safe location, checked them out to make sure that they were all healthy, warmed them up in the sun, and then took them to the water where they will have a normal shot at a healthy life. Just, just amazing that that would happen to happen on zoo grounds at the gate where an electrician needed to do some work just in time. Love it. The last two weeks have also featured two fly-offs of really cool birds from different facilities. The Minnesota Zoo has announced just recently that during a routine exercise and training session, the zoo's Eurasian eagle owl, named Gladys, flew off to a tree and did not return. Zoo staff have been tracking Gladys all around the zoo grounds where they believe she can still be found as it is a 485-acre heavily forested zoo. But uh, if you happen to be at the Minnesota Zoo, keep your eyes out and up to see if you see a Eurasian eagle owl. And uh, if you see her, either on grounds or off, please contact either the zoo or your local police department. Hello, uh, I'm interrupting my own newscast, but it probably sounds exactly the same, and I still haven't figured out a good way to do this without doing a full interrupting John, but um, this one's sad and I don't want to be funny. But since recording this, I have found out that Gladys was found, hit by a car, and has since passed away. Condolences to everyone at the zoo. 
And while that case is still ongoing, our good friends at the National Aviary put us through quite a scare this week as they announced that Kodiak, also known as Cody, their Stellar's Sea Eagle, had flown off also during a routine training session. Cody was out of his habitat from September 25th until October 4th, with sightings being reported to the aviary from all around the Pittsburgh area from well-meaning people who either saw Cody or, more often than not, saw like a red-tailed hawk and got hopeful. The aviary was super transparent in their efforts to get Cody back and also did a really great job showing different pictures and explaining to people what their greatest leads were so that it was easier for people to spot the actual bird and then help him to get home. Cody is safe and healthy back at the aviary. Going through that whole ordeal with their their public posts was was pretty intense but also pretty awesome it was it was a very cool thing to see how transparent they were and how you know using in this case just the community to rally and to look around uh, helped yay bird watchers yay pittsburgh community i still hate the Steelers, but uh we can move on from that And where shall we move on to? How about Zoo Atlanta, where there is some very exciting news from the bird team there, which announced the hatching of two critically endangered Ballymina chicks at the -the behind-the-scenes Avian Propagation Center. The Ballymina is one of the most endangered species at the zoo, and uh, every hatchling is truly critical— Um, thanks mostly to, you guessed it, collection for the pet trade, uh, the wild population has now dropped to around 20 birds on their native island of Bali. Suffice to say, these two hatchings are a great step in the right direction for this incredibly endangered species. Nice work, Zoo Atlanta. And hey, while we're talking about the nice work done at Zoo Atlanta, they get another positive story. On October 2nd, Zoo Atlanta partnered with the Georgia Center of the Deaf and Hard of Hearing to host American Sign Language Family Day. The event included activity stations for guests to learn about animal behavior and communication, a scavenger hunt, giraffe feedings, and the Zoo Seekers program where guests get to explore the zoo with a backpack of tools. Of course, they had animal presentations and bird shows, all of which this time had an ASL interpreter. There were also interpreters at several stations, including giraffes, gorillas, orangutans, orangutans. Oh my gosh, I said orangutans. It's the thing I hate and it came out of my mouth. I'm leaving it in as penance. Anyway, orangutans, pandas, and the Asian forest exhibits. Can you imagine being an ASL interpreter for Jackie the Red Panda. That must have been amazing. Just having to sign, no, it's not a raccoon all day. Eh. But it was awesome. But seriously, this is so cool. And I just love that Zoo Atlanta did this. And I hope it is the start of a long partnership and a way to find even uh, better inclusivity at zoos around the nation for people who are hard of hearing or deaf. And on that happy note, it's time we head to... Conservation news. 
on October 2nd, an offshore pipeline started leaking oil into the Huntington Beach area of California. This soon led to bunches of fish and other marine life washing up dead on shore. The good news is that the original estimate of 132,000 gallons of oil spilled was really, really wrong. And in fact, it was only about 25,000 gallons of oil spilled into the water because of a pipeline leak. We got to do better, y'all. When the good news is 25,000 gallons and a bunch of dead animals, we've got to do better. The craziest thing about this to me is that it didn't even make news in a lot of places. I, I, I had to do like actual digging to find out even just a little bit about this, this oil spill. This has become so second nature to us that it's just, uh, it just happens now. So uh, yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's do better and stop killing sea life so that we can have oil. Cool? Cool. Okay, so this next story is kind of crazy. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the name Barbara Heidenreich, but she is well known for her work helping animals in zoos as well as companion animals, you know, companion parrots, pets, stuff like that, and also doing conservation work. Um, what she mainly does is a type of training that involves a lot of stress and fear-free work. Uh, she's really great with challenging behaviors and uh, helping animals learn how to do their own medical care. Well, I guess they can't do their own medical care, but they participate in their own medical care. And um, she's really well respected. A lot of people that I know and love in the training world just adore Barb. Now, at the same time, you may have heard of the name Steve Martin. Steve Martin is an actor who was in The Jerk, Father of the Bro. <laughs> Oh, apparently it wasn't that Steve Martin. It turns out that there is a guy named Steve Martin who is also, you know, known and respected in the avian training world. Well, Steve has filed a defamation lawsuit against Barb. Basically, Barb has published two papers recommending different approaches to training than Steve does, and in the process suggesting that the methods used by Steve may not be the best. And Steve has decided to file a defamation lawsuit because of it. This is blowing the minds of people that are into the avian training world, all like six of them. But but still, this is like this is actually a really big deal. And um Barb has asked for help because of the lawsuit and because of having attorneys fees and court fees and all that crazy stuff. So if you are interested in learning more about this, you can go to www.letherspeakforanimals.com which is a direct link to uh, Barb's GoFundMe. She has a goal of $150,000 and has already raised uh, 24230 of it as of this recording. And here's the thing, y'all. I am not an expert on any of this stuff. None of this has to do with drumming. Why do I do Zoo News? No, I'm kidding. I, I love this. But but I'm not an expert on all of this stuff. But it does matter. And this is, you know, a battle between trainers and conservationists. And 
so I turned again to to people that I know and that I trust, all of whom absolutely adore Barb. And so this is my way of trying to help the situation. I hope that you go and check out LetHerSpeakForAnimals.com and you can, uh, you can kind of decide for yourself. But I will say this, Barb is loved and well-respected. And from what I've read and what I've seen and people I've talked to who know her, I don't know. I just I just don't believe that she ever sent out to defame anybody. And um you know, maybe maybe her and and Steve Martin disagree on some methods and and that's okay. And that's that's fine and that's how we learn and grow as a a group of animal loving individuals. But uh but maybe go check it out and and maybe if you can even even toss Barb a couple of bucks because uh you know, the truth is, if if something like a defamation suit can shut down fear-free, fact-based, scientific training of animals, then then we have a bigger problem than just uh, frivolous lawsuits, which, you know, can be a big problem in America anyway. So one more time, that URL is LetHerSpeakForAnimals.com. Okay, so we all know that elephants are really smart animals, but apparently they don't understand that train tracks mean that trains may come, and trains are bad for elephants. In fact, trains can kill elephants, which is why three students of Centurion University of Technology and Management in India have developed and now been rewarded a patent for a system to help stop elephant deaths by train. The proposal, which is named Multi-Level Security and Detection System to Avert Elephant Accidents at Railway Tracks, basically uses a system of three levels of elephant detection, a sound-emitting unit, a processing unit, and a notifying unit. All of this tech comes together to give train conductors—conductors, right? Yeah, conductors. That's what the driver of a train is called. Not an engineer. Maybe an engineer? I'm not Googling this. The driver of the train information on how many elephants there might be near the tracks and how close they are so that the, dang it, driver, engineer, conductor, is then able to adjust the speed of the train accordingly in the hopes of saving the lives of many elephants. I love seeing college students take this initiative, and I'm embarrassed that I wouldn't take the initiative to look up that stupid word. But hey, we got to find ways to have fun here, right, y'all? And speaking of awesome tech to save animals, the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet recently invented bat-friendly bridges. Basically, the idea is that bats tend to use the underside of bridges, especially once cracks start to form and they expand a little bit, as little mini-caves. And because the gray bat lives in Kentucky and is an endangered species, when building new bridges, the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet decided to include some man-made type things that would serve similarly to those cracks for bats. So they designed and earlier this year implemented the first ever bat-friendly bridge. And boy, did it work. Almost immediately, as many as 400 bats were seen living under the bridge. As time went on, the colony actually grew and people counted over 1,100 bats. 
living under the bridge, including baby bats, which means it's a maternity colony, which means the bats feel extra safe there. This is awesome. Now they can keep building bridges that not only serve humans, but also serve the bat population and help this endangered species to thrive in Kentucky. Yay, Kentucky. Wow, there's something I don't say every day. Oh, and a quick follow-up to a story from two weeks ago. Remember the whole John Oliver duck stamp auction? Well, it has officially ended, and John Oliver raised $99,723.42 for animal conservation. By selling five goofy paintings, I love this man and this story so much. Nice work, John. And finally, for conservation news this week, some great news from the Biden-Harris administration. The administration has officially restored protections for the Marine National Monument, which is a nearly 5,000-square-mile sanctum that is about 130 miles southeast of Cape Cod, a bunch of amazing species live there, over a thousand different species of marine life, including rare whales, pods of dolphins, endangered birds, turtles, and over 70 species of coral. And y'all know how much coral are struggling from that recent episode from Moat Marine Lab about, well, coral. The Trump administration removed these protections, opening up the waters there to commercial fishing and other issues, but the Biden-Harris administration has given those protections back. You know, I kind of feel like that's what a lot of the conservation world is going to look like when it comes to politics for the next bunch of years. It's going to be a bit of ping-ponging. But hey, for now, we take any victory that we can. So on behalf of all of my beloved sea turtles and all of the cool whales and and all the other amazing animals there, including the corals, thank you to the Biden-Harris administration. Y'all ain't doing everything right, but uh, pretty happy with this one. Yay. Okay, y'all remember, there's a language warning here, and uh, it's going to start right now. Man, fuck the New York Yankees. Seriously. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an Orioles fan, because honestly, I don't really care about baseball all that much. But this year, as the Yankees were making their move towards the postseason, they, and I don't know the story behind it, but they have a team pet. And their team pet is named Bronxy the Turtle. And it's a, it's a turtle. It's an actual turtle. So when the Yankees officially made the postseason... They celebrated in their clubhouse afterwards by popping bottles of champagne and and running around. And and there was some video from that celebration that shows the the players lifting Bronxy in the air, spinning around, running with him, and then dousing him with champagne. I, I don't know if there's anything that can be done about this, but I promise you I am going to look into it. And I think y'all should as well. And uh, at the very least, I'm going to say it again. Fuck the New York Yankees. 
That is animal abuse. It's not okay. Oh, and while I'm being pissed off about companies, did you know that Peloton offers a medical personnel discount? That's right. You can get your classes and your bikes discounted if you are a medical professional. So a veterinarian reached out and said, hey, um, what about us? We, we have stressful jobs. We work in the medical profession. We, uh, we, we would like to use your workout stuff to stay sane. Um, and, and Peloton responded and said the medical personnel list that qualifies must be a doctor, physician, physician's assistant, nurse, emergency medical technician, or other person authorized under state or federal law or regulation to collect blood and urine specimens. With that being said, your position does not fall under any of the categories listed above according to the federal law. That's right, y'all. Peloton has told vets that they're not real doctors. Not even medical professionals. Cool. Super cool. I don't have any friends that are pissed off about this. None at all. Seriously, Peloton, get it together. If you're a person who listens to this and you care at all about the vets in your life or at your zoos, reach out to Peloton. Let them know what you think. Let, let's see if we can change the narrative on this one. I'm like slightly less mad at Peloton than the Yankees, but only slightly. Only slightly. But I don't want to end other news on a down note, so let's end it on a goofy note. A gentleman named Bill Fisher revealed on Facebook that a squirrel had stashed 175 pounds of black walnuts under the hood of his Chevy Avalanche, directly in the engine bay. Apparently, the squirrel does this every year, trying to get past any cayenne, pepper, and Tabasco sauce and any other tricks that he uses, and store some nuts in the truck. But this time, this time the squirrel won. It was literally 175 pounds of black walnuts. That's amazing. Squirrels are so cute. I like them. Okay. Oh, animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Hey! Okay, so don't forget that October is Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. And Bat Appreciation Month. I'm glad I didn't confuse those and tell you all to adopt a shelter bat. That would have been weird. Anyway, um, let's see here. So as far as weeks, right, this next week is a couple of them. Next week is Slow Loris Outreach Week, National Wolf Awareness Week, and National Veterinary Technician Week. Are you paying attention, Peloton? And then for your individual days, on Friday the 15th, we have National Pug Day, which is adorable. It's also Global Hand Washing Day, and like because of all the COVID animal stuff, I feel like that actually counts. Then on Sunday the 17th, it's Hickety Turtle Day and International Sawfish Day. The 18th is World Okapi Day. Yay, World Okapi Day. I love Okapi. If you haven't checked out the episode with Lucas Mears from the Jacksonville Zoo and Okapi Conservation, go check it out because it is awesome. Wednesday the 20th is International Sloth Day. Thursday the 21st 
is Reptile and Amphibian Awareness Day and also the anniversary of the U.S. Marine Mammal Protection Act. And those are your animal holidays for the week. And there you have it, folks. There's your zoo and conservation news for the week. You know, I have a little confession for you all. Um, Last week when I did my episode, then bonus episode, and then the Columbus Zoo-focused zoo news, at the end of it, I said that I... um, I just didn't have a fourth episode in me that week, and that's why I didn't do Zoo News last week. But the truth was, most of the other Zoo News that I had found at that point was all the negative stuff that you're now hearing in this episode. It's kind of a tough time for for, for news and for animals and, and I guess, life with COVID and everything. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty grateful that I have y'all to, to be here with me for it and to, to listen. And I'm so thankful that I was able to find a bunch of really positive and, and fun stories from this week and even have some fun with the negative ones so that it, this was hopefully a, an uplifting episode while also talking about some, some tough stuff. Uh, I appreciate y'all being here. I really, really do. I want to say a special thanks to my Red Panda level patrons, PJ Bevan and Laura Shank. And I also want to say thank you to all of the people who contributed news stories to me this and last week, which include Colleen Lenahan, Anya Keen, Kim Cooley, Becca Fewer, Peter Oilo, and Kristen Khalil. And remember, friends, the word newsy credits backwards is Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.